1: Welcome back. We have a great show ahead of us today. We're talking financial markets, oil, inflation, Fed, Dow Theory. And we're going to get some sweet picks from our guest today, Chuck Carlson. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gaines. Let's bring on Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. Chuck is also author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Before we get into technical analysis, the Dow Theory, dogs of the Dow, a lot of the things that we discuss with you on the GAINS podcast. First of all, just market-wise, the last couple sessions, we're, we're seeing a bit of a split in the indexes. We're seeing the NASDAQ kind of pulling back those tech companies going with it. But meanwhile, uh, we're seeing strength in uh, the banks and industrial names, the, you know, the Dow names. So to kind of kick today's uh, gains podcast off, uh, Chuck, um, you know, just wanted to get your take on uh, uh, the recent kind of split in the indexes we've seen over the last couple of sessions.
2: Yeah, I think that's being driven, uh, Andy. And, and by the way, thank you for having me again. It's it's always a pleasure. I think what we're seeing is basically the the, the impact of the the recent rally in interest rates and expectations that that uh, the rise will continue here. And what that does, from a stock perspective, is that rising interest rates generally are more harmful to the, the real high-growth, high-PE ratio-type stocks. The, those stocks tend to get uh, worked over more.
1: Explain the reasoning behind that real quick, uh, just so people well, can understand. Well,
2: you know, it, it goes to this notion of discounting. And, and basically, it's it's this. If you buy a growth stock and you're paying an extremely high, you're willing to pay an extremely high valuation for that growth, it means, you know, you, that growth better be worth something in the future. Um, if If, on the other hand it's worth less because of rising interest rates and, and inflation, which erodes the future, you know, the, the present value of, of future dollars. Um, That means you're going to pay less for that growth. And with you pay less for that growth, that means you're paying less for the stocks that are generating that growth. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically a, a function of, you know, inflation, higher interest rates, devalues future growth. And if you're buying, stocks that are really valued highly on that future growth and that future growth isn't going to be worth as much those stocks feel the pinch much more so than say value stocks where um, you're not paying a ton for that future growth so they are less impacted by rising interest rates Hence, what you're seeing in the market here is more kind of the what is perceived as more as the value end of the market in those stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average you mentioned financials which are uh, you know, fairly reasonably valued, also benefiting from a steeper yield curve because, you know, banks make their money on, you know, taking money in and, and giving you virtually nothing on the money and loaning it out at higher rates. So if that yield curve is is, is more uh, vertical, that works to the advantage of banks as well. So that's what you've seen here the last few days. You've seen the value-oriented parts of the market. You've seen banks and, and companies that benefit from rising interest rates do well. And you've seen companies, uh, the high growth, high PE ratio type stocks have pulled back here recently. Now, you know, is is, it, is, is this a reason to dump those stocks? I don't think it is. Um, in fact, I think it's probably a reason to be on the lookout where you might see, you know, some of these Hotsi Totsi growth stocks uh, get, back into areas that are a little bit more reasonably valued and offer opportunities to buy them. But, you know, we've seen these rotations off and on for the last 12 months in the market.
1: And, I mean, this is a regular thing. Rotation is a regular part of the market. Um, Doesn't yeah, even mean any portion is going to be pulled back altogether. I mean, some move higher then others catch up and, and, and just explain, that's a, that's something we see rarely explain that. Oh, yeah, and, and we've
2: really seen it in in, in a large part, again, uh, probably in the last 12 months where you've you've had sectors in the market do well. In the beginning of this year if you go back, remember we had this you know value stocks were on a tear up until probably April, May and then they took a breather and then you had the growth stocks come back and they have been very strong and and now you're seeing some of those stocks pull back and you're seeing kind of value pick up the slack and you see it not just with growth versus value stocks but you see it with sectors, you see it with sizes, in other words you know, small cap stocks, which tend to trade a little bit more in line with value stocks, did extremely well at the beginning of the year. They took a breather for about nine months. And then they have recently started to perform better with the Russell 2000 small cap index recently moving to a new all-time high and the, the S&P 400 mid-cap index moving to an all-time high. So you get this kind of rotation and, and it's healthy because, you know, markets can kind of correct their excesses in a number of different ways. One way that everybody kind of knows is everything just gets crushed, you know, and, and then so the market the market, in virtually every sector goes down, uh, you know, 25, 30 uh, percent. Another way that markets work off these excesses is that they do it in this rotational way where stocks and groups of stocks that tend to do really well and get a little over enthusiastic, they pull back and money flows back into some of the other stocks that underperformed, and then they start doing better. Rolling corrections obviously are a little, a lot more palatable to investors than, you know, the big, ten, fifteen, twenty percent crushes that do occur from time to time. Um, so I think there's a good thing what we're happening, and you rotation... know, the one thing
1: too. Oh, go ahead, go
2: ahead. Well, I was going to say the one thing too that that when you're in these types of corrections. The one thing that I always kind of look at to kind of give me a gauge whether it's something that's that's uh, more than a rotational is is what are the Dow Jones Transportation Average doing uh, during all of this? And if the Dow transports are holding up or doing better, that gives me solace that the overall economic picture, which which is going to be important, obviously for the market, <clears throat> excuse me, is is in good shape. And that's what we've seen over the last couple of days. We've had uh, you know, today on uh, Tuesday, for example, the Dow Jones Transportation average was up almost one percent, uh, and it had a nice day the day before. So, while which which is more indicative of rotations than a than a big market decline, so well, I think it, that's a positive. And
1: I I think your whole the whole Dow theory is based on on rotations up between the transportation and uh, the Dow Industrials and how they 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 rotate with each other as they move higher so that goes in. you know rotation is kind of the cornerstone of what you constantly talk about
2: yeah it, it, it's 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 obviously very helpful and it's and again it's an markets need to blow off steam at some point i mean it, it, while they don't feel uh so great when you're in the midst of those corrections that's what helps sustain the longevity of bull markets is the periodic kind of flushing out and um, so, so they're necessary, and they're necessary. Uh, the rotational way is 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 again more. <laughs> it's, it's less painful, and it's more palatable. But it's also sneakier, in a sense that
1: oh, I was just going to say you get that these
2: stealth corrections yeah. that go on, and you know, if a lot of times people will say, well, I'm going to go buy X Y Z stock if the market comes down 15 percent. Well. You know, you may miss the forest for the trees if you're waiting for the market to correct fifteen percent. You may get a pullback in that individual stock and and that's what happens during these rotational corrections. So they're sneakier, they're they're stealth, stealthy, if that's a word. Um but they can offer opportunities for investors that are kind of uh you know, on watch and and looking for pullbacks in quality stocks.
1: And that's why it's still, I mean, when you really get down to it, is still I mean we play the broad indexes. But it is still, in a lot of ways, a stock picker's market.
2: Yeah, it, it always is, in a way. You know, I mean, it, it's in terms of trying to find those opportunities, especially if you're kind of an investor that's that's looking for the longer term. And, and yeah, you're not so concerned about what's going to happen if you buy something and what happens over the next two through three months. Chances are, you know, and I've said this to you many times, I mean, chances are if you buy stocks on decline, you're going to feel like an idiot for the first few months because nobody is going to pick that bottom. But, you know, if you buy a stock that's, you know, down forty percent, um, that doesn't mean it can't go down sixty percent, but it, it also means you're not buying at the top. And if it's a quality company, it's one that you've wanted to get in a portfolio, it's one that you've waited for a pullback, you, you know, you gotta take advantage of that. And maybe you don't back up the truck and put all your money into it, but you know, if you're not if you're not at least nibbling, and yeah, you know, on it then then you're missing an opportunity especially again if you're an investor with a long-term uh, framework in mind
1: uh, some other big things this week um uh, you know we've we've been talking about inflation it seems for quite a while and there's even word i, I thought it was interesting uh president biden mentioned they're going to tap into the strategic petroleum reserve and i was looking at and oil was was still up after that so your thoughts on that real quick and how that can affect yeah, I think, stocks you know, the, and the,
2: energy? The, yeah, the, the energy stocks, and the oil stocks, um, kind of have a, a little bit of a uh, an inflation hedge hue about them. So, in an in, in, you know in, in those environments, in those trading days when people are really worried about inflation, you'll probably see those stocks do pretty well. So, even with you know opening up the spigots a little bit, uh, you know that that's kind of a signal that there is a concern about inflation and that kind of translates to helping those stocks. The other thing to keep in mind too, when you're talking about the oil and energy stocks is yes, they've had a heck of a run this year, but if you go back prior to 2021, I mean, that has been about the deadest group that you could be, it could have been in for probably the previous five years. So, I mean, there is a lot of uh, reversion to the mean in in those stocks. And uh, I mean, you look at a stock like ExxonMobil, which is a, Roughly fifty percent this year. Love uh, it for its dividend, move. by the way. But you know, when you look at where that stock traded, you know, as recently as, as five years ago, I mean, geez, it was it was a ninety dollars stock. So um, that you know, speaks th- to they're, the they're, juicy th-
1: yield, though. That that, for instance, a stock like that provides right now. Um, I was looking at the yields in the space. I mean, you can get a lot of these companies at a pretty good price, uh, and then on top of that, I, they're throwing off some tasty yields too
2: they are they are and and you feel a little bit better about the safety of those dividends now too because it seems like a lot of the the the, the major energy companies are, are focusing a bit more on uh controlling their capital spending and, and boosting their cash flow and sharing that you know exxon for example uh at the beginning of this year was yielding over eight percent and there was a lot of concern and i have to admit i was you know when you see eight percent yields uh, in a low low yield environment, that's on the one hand that's pretty interesting. On the other hand, that's indicating some risk there. But uh, you know, Exxon has has benefited from rising oil prices. They've boosted their cash flow. The stock is still yielding nearly six percent, but they actually increased their dividend here recently it would, by a penny, so a penny a quarter. So it wasn't a huge increase, but the fact is. At the beginning of this year, there were a number of folks that were worried about them cutting their dividend, and here we are. Uh, They're increasing it. They've reinstituted their stock buyback program, and you can still get that yield at 6%, which you would think would provide some downside support to the stock. So, yeah, the energy stocks are kind of probably in a little bit of a sweet spot right now with those dividend yields, with their inflation hedge attributes, and with, um, you know, Investors still perceiving some value there, given how poorly they did the five years preceding 2021.
1: In the last couple of years, they've actually kind of priced oil like, we're not going to use it anymore for anything and, electric's going to be just, you know, electric vehicles everywhere. And it just seems like that was how, I mean, obviously there was a a demand reduction throughout the pandemic, but even years coming into that, it was just, you know, the stock market, we always talk about this is looking to the future, looking to the future. And um, I think part of that, you know, just kind of lackluster results from oil is so much attention on EV electric vehicles.
2: It was. And, you know, people probably hadn't thought through that, you know, there's going to be a pretty elongated transition period
1: there. Well, where, how many electric you know, vehicles have yeah. you seen today? I mean, I, I, I looked <laughs> out there. I've seen all kinds of Ford and, and uh, you know, Toyotas. You name the brands across that are are, are sucking gas right now. I, I look out, uh, you know, out on Michigan Avenue, I, I, I don't see a Tesla, a Lucid or a Rivian vehicle out there you know no, and
2: and again are they coming sure they're coming and absolutely. and they are in here yes, but you know i i think we're we're still a long long way from uh uh you know not needing fossil fuels and and regardless of where you stand on that uh the fact of the matter is you know they're still going to be needed, and you know how how does that price into the energy stocks to me you know a big if you if you you know the question is just how much has already been discounted in that group and if you look now even after the big gain uh, the big gains this year for that group the the exposure of the energy sector as part of the S&P 500 is only about three percent in other words only about three percent of the weighting of the S&P 500s in energy stocks even after the big move this year Uh, if you go back 10, 15, 20 years um, Energy stocks were a significantly greater weighting in in, in the S and P 500. So you know they've just been hammered here, and at some point, you know uh, everything is attractive at the right price. Do
1: you find it attractive? I mean, are you uh, nibbling here, getting some of that yield, buying these oil companies cheap? Or you know, where, where in the space are you yeah, going? Yeah, we're,
2: we're 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 thinking about it. I guess would be the best way to say we we have spotlighted some companies in that space and we're um, kind of thinking, you know, if it might be opportunistic to to start to do that. Have we have we gone in hog wild? No, we haven't. But is, are they certainly on our radar where they weren't, you know, three years ago? The answer is yes.
1: President Biden renominated Fed Chair Jay Powell. Uh, just wanted to get your take real quick on that. How will that impact gains listeners if it will at all?
2: yeah you know what i'm not sure well i think it's it's uh, you know the the, I, the the one thing that's kind of interesting apparently there was a, a two person horse race for it so any time you, you the get alternative that, you...
1: the alternative by the way in that two uh, person horse race was is, is a little bit different than jay powell Explain that too
2: yeah- probably a little bit more uh aggressive a little bit more Focused on help the, the Federal Reserve and how the, the the money system impacts climate, which was supposed to be a, a greater priority. I mean, some people said the priority of uh, of the other person running for the uh, position or in, in the running for the position, but you know, I, you wonder. Yeah, J-PAL probably was the the more comfortable choice for the market. But the one thing you don't know is, you know, is is Jay Powell going to have to shift gears because he promised certain things to get the gig again? Uh, And does that mean, you know, inflation becomes enemy number one? And what does that mean in terms of raising interest rates aggressively sooner rather than later? And and, and the market's trying to factor that in right now. And it's probably one of the reasons you've seen interest rates pop here a bit in the last week or so and, and interest rate sensitive stocks. Um, such as growth stocks peeling back it's it's that notion of yeah j pal one is it going to be more of the same, or um are things going to get a little tighter a little quicker uh because that's what he promised he would do to get to get you know to to get the gig again, so we'll see we'll see I do think it was you would have seen more of an impact had the other individual um been named, but um We'll we'll see. I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the, while they, they do have an impact on perhaps short-term interest rates, I think at some point, I think sometimes the importance of that position is overstated. Uh, but I, I think continuity probably did matter to the market at this point.
1: We were talking about, you know, uh, sectors that get stealthy. One that comes to mind is retail. Uh, I was looking at – I mean, you had like Macy's, 10 bucks a share left for dead, uh, upper 30s just recently, um, other retailers beyond just Walmart and the Targets and the Amazon really doing a stealth rally. Um, some of them have now delivered on earnings, which were pretty good, and then you see the stock sell off. So I wanted you to talk about – just real quick – uh, this kind of stealthy rise in, in retailers, and then now it almost seems a bit like sell the news. I'd love to get your thoughts on on those retailers, especially heading into, you know, it's Black Friday at the end of the week.
2: Yeah, I think I think it, it, it has become a bit of a sell the news. Uh, those stocks have had really, really significant moves. I, I think partly those moves are from the fact that, you know, they had been beaten down so badly that the, the, a lot of the pricing was – whether these guys were going to be able to stay in business. So once they indicated that they are going to stay in business, I think there was a bump from that. I think there was a fair amount of short interest in a lot of those stocks. And as they started to, uh, you know, look like they were going to survive and actually started to come out with results that were better than expected, uh, I think that put a short squeeze on some of these, uh, that drove those prices higher. I would be a little um, uh, cautious about, you know, plowing into some of the, you know the mall based stores and you know the the the, the retailers that are are either controlling the bottom or the top that are kind of stuck in the middle in terms of the markets i i still think those are going to have some problems um, but yeah you've gotten that you've gotten that very significant bounce and i wouldn't be surprised if you if you started to see some sell off now the one thing i will mention though is um if you know in, in, another way to kind of view the health of kind of the brick and mortar guys is to look at some of these uh, real estate investment trusts that focus on shopping and, and maybe the biggest assignment property group, the symbol is SPG. We do not recommend the stock, but when you look at how that stock has performed, I mean, that came back from, I mean, the abyss back in uh, in, in COVID land, you know, it, it was $48 and that thing has gone up to $166. I mean, it's trading at a, um, at its highest level in in uh in more than two years and and so you know maybe there is going to be a bit more staying power in in the retailing sector, but I would still be very cautious about chasing strength, particularly in the mall based stores and, and some of the the middle retailers again if you're if you're really really strong at the top and you're really really strong at the bottom in terms of uh you know discounts versus luxury um But you're stuck in the middle. I think that's a death zone for for retailers, quite frankly.
1: That's Simon Property Group, uh, ticker SPG. Uh, Really quick, uh, shameless plug time. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow us, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if if that's a possibility. Uh, Also, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. Real quick for you, any kind of plugs you want to get in here?
2: No, if if anybody's interested in in learning more about uh, uh, the investment newsletters published by Horizon Publishing here, they can go to our our flagship publication is is Dow Theory Forecast, and they can go to dowtheory.com, and they can take out a free 30-day trial of of the newsletter, and uh, hopefully you'll like it.
1: All right, we're gonna take a break real quick. We'll be right back. Continue the discussion. Get a couple juicy picks from uh, Chuck. So hang tight, and we'll be right back after the break.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: All right, back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, Indiana. Continuing the conversation, uh, Chuck, let's delve into the Dow Theory. You gave us the kind of the all clear, well, the Dow Theory gave us the all clear sign uh, as of the last time we spoke. Where do you see the Dow Theory? Uh, just what? let's give us a, a quick uh, temperature Check on the Dow Theory forecast.
2: Yeah, it's still it's it's bullish. The last major signal under the Dow Theory was a uh, confirmed uh, new highs in both the Dow Industrials and the Dow Jones Transportation Average, and 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 the Dow Theory is basically until you have a change in that. Uh, the last signal is what matters, and the last signal was bullish. So um, the, the Dow Theory doesn't tell you how high the market is going to go. It it it, it basically tells you on what's, what side of the primary trend, the trend that typically lasts you know, 6 to 12 to 18 months, if not longer, if that, is, if, if that primary trend is in the bullish side of the ledger or bearish side of the ledger. Uh, right now, it is clearly on the bullish side of the ledger. Now, as we've said before, that doesn't mean that you can't have markets that don't have corrections. And again, corrections happen to every market and there are necessary evils to sustain bull markets. Uh, what it does tell you, though, is is that, or, or at least indicates, is that if in fact you do get a correction within uh, a, a Dow theory bull market signal, you you have a higher degree of confidence. Buying during that correction because you because it's a correction within a bull market and not the beginning of a bear market. So um, you know that is that's and that's really useful, uh, especially for investors that are concerned about buying during declines. It's one thing if you're buying during a, a decline in, in a bear market signal. It's another if you feel comfortable about buying during a bull market. And right now the primary trend is bullish. So if we do get significant declines. In individual stocks um you should take advantage of that
1: what would be a warning sign as far as the dow theory is concerned uh you know what how far does it really have to pull back i've heard you say a meaningful pullback what exactly is that and uh how far do we really have to pull back here after you know at at or near these all-time highs how far do we have to pull back before you even have any kind of concern
2: yeah you know from the standpoint of of uh uh, the, let's take the Dow Jones Industrial Average for a moment. So, the, so on that last major move from from the correction low, it went uh, went from about 33,800 up to about 36,400. So that's uh, my math here. Being, it's, uh, let's say that's 2,800 points. So you would expect, um, you know, a first level decline to be somewhere around nine, 900 points from that, which would take that down to maybe about 35. 35.5. Um, two-thirds correction of that would be about 1,800 points. It would take it down 36, 35. So you're talking at about 30, you know, somewhere around the 34,000 range. So to answer your question, on the Dow Industrials, a normal run-of-the-mill correction after this move could carry the Dow down to about 34,000, uh, you know, maybe a hair lower than that. Uh, on, the, on the Dow Jones and transportation average, you know, the, the the last major increase was from, the, the bottom was from uh, 14,000, and we got as high as 17,000, so that's 3,000 points. So you would expect to pull back at a minimum one-third of that move, which would be 1,000 points, to about 16,000, and two-thirds of that move would be down to about 15,000. So you still have plenty of room on the downside for the markets to decline before you would get really, really nervous that it might be something brewing more than just a secondary correction. Um, so that, that's the first thing you need to have. You need to have meaningful pullbacks. We're not there yet. And then you would need to have a retest of the previous highs. And if one or both of those averages failed to go to new highs and then came back down and eclipsed, those lows that we're looking to establish that haven't been yet, that would be a change in the trend. So, you know, it's one of those things where stuff has to happen. Um, and we're we're not even really at the first step of a trend change yet because we haven't had a meaningful correction yet off the off the highs.
1: You know, I talked about this earlier, you know, inflation. We've been hearing about it for weeks. So you've been talking about uh, how it will impact Thanksgiving dinner from not enough you know, supply chain issues, not enough glass bottles for for wine and 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 alcohol to I even we did a a story today on how ocean spray, cranberry in in the can, there's shortages because they just can't get enough cans to to put the cranberries in. So I mean, we're hearing inflation, supply chain issues. Anything in the market or in in the stock market that you're, Looking at buying to kind of offset this threat, both in supply now, chain not, or inflation.
2: Yeah, we haven't we haven't really reached a point where we're trying to be that laser like with, with our investment. You know, what we're trying to do basically is, listen. Here are companies. Here are the numbers. Um, here's what we think about their growth prospects, and here's the price we can pay for it. And, and we're kind of growth at reasonable price, guys. So. You know, if we can buy a company that is still growing and pay a reasonable price, and again, what, what's a reasonable price? Well, we have tools and a, and a a stock rating system to help us kind of guide us to, in terms of, a quote, a reasonable price, looking at, you know, valuations relative to peers, relative to his history, et cetera. But those are still the things that we're focused on. We're not necessarily focused on um, because we think ultimately all that stuff kind of filters through and, 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 and shows up in the numbers that we're considering, um, as opposed to, hey, here are some groups that we think can do well in an inflationary environment. Because if you start trying to pick stocks that way, the major premise of your stock selection is guessing at what inflation is going to be in the future. And and that's kind of like guessing at what interest rates are. It's kind of guessing at, you know, currencies. Those are really hard guesses to get right consistently. So we would rather as opposed to kind of top-down thinking about, okay, here's inflation. Let's go buy these stocks. We we'd rather still work from the bottom up and say, listen, these are we have a process that we like. <clears throat> we have a rating system that we like, and it's done pretty well historically. And let's kind of stick to our knitting. And try to find stocks that that uh, we think uh, offer good potential and 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 that's kind of how we do it and uh, that's how we'll continue to do it.
1: I know a bulkier clients it's it's stock steady as we go. Um, you're using these tactics to make them a ton of money long term. But for those clients out there, maybe they're a little younger, maybe they're a degenerate risk taker like myself. Who are like, hey uh, Chuck, <laughs> I want a little action in crypto. What are you telling them? Are you getting them exposure? Exposure through the stock market? Are you dabbling in crypto? I'm just curious if if your clients come to you and say, hey, you know, I want in on these gains. We have
2: had a few. In in way, in in a way, our hands are kind of tied, as as you know. There's there's, you know, th- there isn't really great ways in the publicly, in in the stock market, in the publicly traded markets to have direct exposure to... uh,
1: Maybe in in NVIDIA and stuff. I get what you're saying when there's, I mean, there's not a lot of ton, or there's not a ton of companies that just translate. I guess there are some miners that are publicly traded, uh, chip makers, NVIDIA. We've we've talked about...
2: Those you can do, um, and, and that's typically... What we'll do, but but a, a lot of times, what the people want is they want to own. You know, I want to own Bitcoin. Well. Right. I can't buy that for you.
1: So, and, and I mean, you probably feel uncomfortable. That. Hey, by the way, you're going to open up this Kraken well, or Etoro well. account. We're going to get you this yeah. wallet. You're going to buy Bitcoin. We're going to, um, and we think that maybe we should put it in cold storage. So, we're going to transfer that from that account onto a, your your crypto wallet. Yeah, I get it. That's yeah. a big take, or a, yeah, a, and, and especially you know, so if they're we, not savvy. We do
2: really. Deal with that, and, and uh, you know. But but I mean, if you're asking me, kind of my macro opinion. My macro opinion is, I don't feel a need to kind of get in on that party because to me, that's not to mean you can't make money. But to me, it is not. That is not an invest investing process. That is a speculative trading process, which you can make money on. It. You can make a lot of money. There's people probably listening to this that have done quite well. But you know, it's gains.
1: That's we we're, That's that's why they're probably tuning into this podcast. Is we <laughs> often right. talk about those thick gains that crypto and meme stocks and some of the other things provide. Yeah, they but, do.
2: And and you know, and but I and to me, listen. I don't try to buy something if I don't have some idea what is a reasonable price to pay for it. And I get I that.
1: N- I mean, I get that. You you evaluate companies. You 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 do deep dives when you look at stocks. I get that. I mean, you could make a case that a, a Bitcoin's worth a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand a token, but you could also make a case is, it's not worth anything.
2: Yeah, and and so you know, it, again, I kind of relate it to why we've never done a whole lot, if if much of anything, with gold over the years, and it's because you know, it's it's like to me, it's it's kind of like. I don't know how to value that. I don't know what a good price is to buy it. I don't know what a good price is to sell it. Typically, doesn't generate any cash flow, so I at least don't get any return from from that angle of it. And it it it's um you know it, it the only the only reason it goes up. Is because you know more people want to own it than want to sell it. Now you can make that argument about any stock too that is driven by supply and demand. But here, you know, the the, the only real investment thesis I can see for it is just the fact that it becomes such a uh, a, a populist type investment that it, it it filters in, and you've seen a little bit of this where it filters in and and it becomes. It, uh, another asset class that, that diversified portfolios have to have, even if you just put two percent of your portfolio in it.
1: When, when my mom's talking about it and talking about Bitcoin and crypto, I'm I'm like, wow, it is really hitting. Uh, it's hitting the mainstream.
2: And, and, you know, and, and the thing is, it's been if if you remember, and you've been following this stuff for a long time. You know, we had a flurry of this cryptomania. What was it 2 years ago? 3 years ago? And yeah, when when Bitcoin got went crushed from and, yeah,
1: and and it got and, crushed and, and, in a big big way. Yeah, and then it, it all went away and then it
2: kind of had now his has rolled back. And um, you know, is it is it the ultimate enthusiasm product, or, you know, and is are we at a point where, you know, it's it's ready to get crushed. This notion of it being a non-correlated asset with the stock market so you should buy it. I it's a risk asset, and stocks tend to be a risk asset. And so uh, I'm not convinced that I can put Bitcoin in my portfolio when it's going to help diversify my portfolio if the stock market tanks. My guess is that the stock market tanks. Oh, crypto is going to be right, up, right right, behind it or you, maybe even in front of it.
1: <laughs> you know it because the thing is, people, where are they going to go when they have to get cash? Yeah. And you know they're going to unload positions. And that's, that, that's what I was, that's one of my only, I, I, I love crypto. I love it. I trade it all the time, and there's there's big gains to be had, but then there's this other part of me that uh, boy i I just it seems like who you know when my mom's is asking me about bitcoin who who behind her is gonna buy it? So I do see this that's the only thing that concerns me is you know we've had this run up and it's kind of stalled now, and yep. uh. You know, there's there's a lot of folks who, if you asked them about it a year ago, wouldn't even know what you're talking about. And now they're bringing it up. And that often is a sign to me of at least like a short term top. I, what your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It seems, you know, I mean, if, if you're simply looking at a chart, I mean, you had this massive move from uh, from July when it was about 31. It's doubled up to more than doubled up to. 65 and now it's pulled back to to 57 so you know if you're kind of a trend jockey a a chart jockey basically you know if if it has a retest of that previous high and fails you would expect it to come down and go below that low and possibly go down and and test that intermediate low of about 43,000. but you know that 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 is my expectation that's going to happen but again i you know i'd be lying if i said i I've been hundred percent correct on on on, on crypto. Um, you know, and for for a lot of investors, it's like, well, you don't need to be right on crypto. There's a lot of other opportunities out there and stuff that's not going to be as crazily where you may where I think you may have a better chance of of long-term success. and um, because anytime you're trading an asset, I don't care if it's stocks, I don't care if it's bonds. I don't care if it's currencies. I don't care if it's crypto. Trading is very difficult to do successfully over time and that's what's going to separate the winners of the losers, people who can do it successfully over time and it's very difficult because you're making a lot of decisions and the more decisions you have to make the more likely you're going to get some of those wrong and the risks of being wrong can outweigh the benefits of of being right. So that's, that's partly why I avoid it too, quite frankly, but there are people, that do well in it, and my hat's off to them, but I am not one of those people.
1: Moving away from crypto back to stocks, let's do like almost a little bit of a lightning round here. I'll just kind of bring up some sectors and and areas that, and and just to get your thoughts. So we did talk energy a little bit, and we talked about some of the yields that are being thrown off there. Moving over to some other yield stocks, cigarettes come to mind. I've seen some of these Philip Morris, some of these cigarette Altria uh, thrown off big, juicy dividends. And it seems like, you know, the damage from regulatory and all that is has already been factored in. It seems like the cigarettes, you know, I know this isn't really popular, but it seems like the cigarette industry is a nice little spot to get a fat dividend and 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 really not too much downside at this point. Your thoughts on uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, that I, I kind of space?
2: Ag- I, I would agree. You know, there's I know there's folks that just will never own those stocks because of what they do, and I get that. Um, but if you're agnostic to that, you know, um, some of them are pretty interesting. I, I, you know, Philip Morris is one that has caught my eye. We haven't done anything with it yet, but that is one that's caught my eye um, for a number of reasons. One, as you mentioned, you've got uh, a dividend yield of almost six percent, or at least five and a half percent. Number two, that is a company that actually is undergoing a, a kind of a transformation. When you look at their, um, they have a lot of products where they're they're generating a fair amount of their revenue now from like these non-burned products, and it's still nicotine, but you're not burning it, and um, and and it's not the kind of the vaping. Stuff um the other thing I like it's international, so you you stay out of the u s market um and and I think you know so that that's the one in that sector that i I do find kind of interesting um Altria I find less interesting because of its dependency on on the US markets but um but but PM Philip Morris I find more a more interesting play in that space
1: Talking about firing it up um how about the the pot stocks uh, we've seen a lot of a lot of gains in those and I'm I kind of wondering if it's already been built in in a lot of those
2: Yeah the the risk of those I still think is 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 too high the one the one that caught my eye several months ago uh, that that was interesting to me was a company called I I uh, innovative industrial properties IIPR and what they are is a real estate investment trust actually that
1: I am familiar um, uh, yes uh, th- a, a a a REIT that throws off a huge huge yield explain what they do
2: yeah they they basically they help the companies in that space and they only only work with uh, state licensed operators for m- medical use cannabis. And what they'll do is go in and basically do do buy leasebacks for those properties, uh, those, those companies, where they may the companies may be a little cash poor and they may own their facilities. So Innovative basically will buy their facilities from them, provide them cash, and then lease the facilities back to them. Um, they they offer a, a pretty good service during a time when it's still difficult. For a lot of these guys to you know go to the bank and get loans right because it's it's, it's the banks are still really unable to kind of work with a lot of these folks, so you know they they have filled a, a void in there, and uh the businesses company the stock has done tremendous, and as you said, it throws off you know you get cash flow there the the dividend yield right now is about it 's over two percent and they 've raised the dividend pretty regularly uh now how how will that fare when uh, banking laws are loosened up, uh, which is pretty much inevitable. It's not—I don't think it's a question of if; it's just a question of when. When there are more options for for these entities to go and get financing, um, you know, what will that do to innovative? Probably not going to be helpful, but at least for the time being, it's it's been it's been a really nice, really nice performer. I mean, geez, that that stock stock—that's gone from. It was one hundred and sixty-six dollars in May of this year, and it's trading at two sixty-eight right now.
1: One area, you know, we talked about banks more, more like big banks and and uh, financials. You and I've talked regional banks in the past. That's a kind of a whole different animal. Uh, they derive a lot of their revenue from uh, more lending. Give me your thoughts on on the regionals and maybe a pick or two.
2: Yeah, the regionals are, are are an interesting area. We we do have exposure there. One one of our favorite regionals is a, a, a smaller uh, regional. It's based in Birmingham, Alabama. It's Service First Bank shares. Symbol is SFBS. Uh, we and our clients own the stock, and it's been a nice stock. And um, the, the banks have gotten a nice little run here in the last few days. And um, but this is, I still think there's further upside in that stock. So that is one that uh, we like we also recommend um signature bank corp sbny is another stock that uh, our clients have now that's had a heck of a run partly because it's it it it's you know you get back to this um you know way to play crypto this company has just tremendously expanded its 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 digital assets on its banking platform um and and so that has it's kind of we're in a bit of a wave of, of crypto there. That I mean the stock's gone from um it was a hundred and nine dollars uh last November and it's trained at three thirty two. So it's yeah, at, that's it's pretty pretty
1: healthy gains there.
2: It's at a whale yeah. of a run. We have stayed with it. We still have stayed with it. Um but yeah, we're we're cognizant that you know this is a little bit of a different animal um in, in the banking space. If if you want kind of your more traditional uh, regional bank service first would be the play. That's SFBS.
1: And as we're, you know, kind of wrapping up here, what stocks or sector, maybe give me a name or two, that really has you licking your chops right now that you just see some kind of, you know, and it could be a little bit more risky, uh, that you just see some real potential uh, you know upside potential something that would get you to lick your chops and, and and make a potential move knowing that it may be a little riskier too
2: yeah you know we have a uh, on our publishing side our horizon publishing side we do publish a newsletter called upside uh, you can read more about that at upside com, which focuses on uh, uh, small cap stocks and there are not a lot of interesting picks in there one that's really caught my eye. It's actually in your area of expertise, Andy, so maybe you can shed some light on this. It's a company called EntraVision Communications. The symbol is EVC. Uh, EntraVision is a, is a media technology advertising company that focuses on the Latino, uh, the Latinx markets in the United States and Mexico, et cetera. They own uh, about, I think, about 50... Some they own 54 television stations. They own 48 Spanish language radio stations, but they've made a huge push into digital advertising, and have acquired a number of uh, digital advertising platforms that has really transformed their business.
1: That, uh, by the way, that demo is the that's where all the growth is in, like yeah. radio and a lot of. So I'm glad you mentioned EVC. Go ahead and continue. Sorry.
2: Yeah, they've had they've had two um, the last two quarters. They just absolutely crushed earnings estimates, um, the, the consensus earnings estimate. Now, there aren't a lot of analysts that follow it, uh, to be fair, but they, they have done very well. Stocks had a big move, but it's, it's pulled back a little bit, but it, uh, it's trading at uh, $7.75 a share. So, you know, the high risk, I mean, you know, anytime you're talking about those sorts of stocks, and it's a small company, the market cap is is uh, uh, about $660 million, so it's, it's it's clearly in, this, in the small side of things, risky side of things. It's a company undergoing a transformation, a bit uh, to the digital side, uh, but it's 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 one that I think has a discernible market niche. It does pay a dividend. You can get 1.3% dividend yield on the stock, so you can get paid uh, on a small cap stock like that. And that is one that I think is an interesting play right now.
1: Again, the ticker on that is EV. C. I'm glad you mentioned this new website. I, I this is the first time you've ever mentioned it with me. Upsidestocks.com before I let you go for uh Thanksgiving turkey here. Uh g- just tell us about Upsidestocks.com. I I think that would be a potential resource for the Gains listener.
0: Yeah,
2: and, and you know, shame on me for not bringing up this because it is, you know, it does it's in the sweet spot I think for what your listeners are probably looking for and that is you know, small-cap companies, but, but well-researched, high-quality small-cap companies. And uh, we've been publishing Upside Newsletter. Horizon Publishing has been publishing Upside Newsletter for a number of years. And, uh, yeah, you can get a free 30-day trial uh, by going to UpsideStocks.com and signing up, and uh, you, can, you can see what we're talking about here. And it's uh, uh, a lot of cool stuff there, actually. So check it out, UpsideStocks.com.
1: All right. Again, that's UpsideStocks.com. Well, hey, I always ap- appreciate having you on. Uh, we covered a lot of ground here. That's Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond. He's also the author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Chuck, always appreciate it. Have a great Thanksgiving, and I'll uh, we'll catch you on the other side.
2: Great. Same to you, Andy. Thank you.
1: All right. That wraps up today's Gains podcast. Again, thanks to Chuck Carlson. Uh, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We'll be back with a an exciting uh, episode tomorrow, so be sure to check us out then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to twenty percent versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.